the food tastes worse when it's in a plastic container. Believe me, I have a long way to go in, in the businesses I'm involved in and in my own personal use, but there's no reason why I shouldn't do it because selfishly, I just, the food tastes better and I feel better when, when I see it. Like you're just waking me up to stuff I already believe in, but I kind of dropped the ball on. When the world turns back on after COVID, we have some work to do at all. You know, we put on 325 events, millions of people a year. And so we could really, we could really make a big impact. Welcome to the award-winning Leadership in the Environment podcast. We guide you to living better by your values. We bring you relevant views on important topics without doom and gloom. We focus on awareness and action. It's about bringing fun, community, and connection to your everyday life. If you're new to the channel, please consider subscribing and turning on notifications. Let's do this. You're in for a treat. Joe and I start talking business in the conversation, so you'll hear things happening while we're talking. We start off by talking about his exercising. You can't see this, but he's doing exercises while we talk. So some of the sound isn't so perfect because he's moving around a little bit and he's short of breath at sometimes. Then we start talking about my plans to swim across the Hudson River, which I'm planning to do 48 hours from when we recorded this, which is to say like 47 hours from now. Then we start talking about his commitment to picking up beach trash. But really what we were talking about was talking about doing things, not just talking, but doing. Also his passion for what he experienced. I mean, you'll hear the thing about the dolphin and things like that. And then we start doing. He starts planning during the call to transform Spartan Race's food and garbage plants. Now, this is millions of people do this stuff. So it's a really meaningful change that he's talking about. He puts me in touch with a food friend and he starts the process to schedule presentation for me to give to the Spartan Race's leadership team to kick the process off of changing what they do. I tell him about podcast guest Marina McCoy. If you look back, you can see she helps organizations and events do the food stuff. And so by the time this is up, Probably we will have started doing business together. It's really exciting to me. It's, well, listen to the episode, and I'll talk a little bit more when we finish. Here's Joe. Welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodak. I'm here with Joe DeSena. Joe, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I am so happy that you're letting me use my continuous rope while we do this. Because, um, you know, I have a friend. I'm going to go down a rabbit hole for a second. I have a friend who runs a very, very large business, a $38 billion hedge fund. He argues with me that when you're working, you should be working. And when you're exercising, you should be exercising. And you should not mix the two. And if people are using stand-up desks, that's ridiculous. And I don't know about you, but for me, I'm more creative when I'm moving. I, like if, I'm, if I have blood flowing, I'm just feeling better. So thank you for letting me do this. I think my interview will be better because I'm exercising. I have no problem with it. And yes, and, and I forget if it was just before, or just after I hit record, but you're like, do I envy you? And I was like, yes and no. So if people hear him out of breath, I don't know if you'll get out of breath, but it's because he's, it's audio only so people can't see it, but he's standing, he's like pulling on this rope and getting some exercise. Yeah. There's also, I had another guest, Dr. Michael Greger. He's more into nutrition, but he stands on a treadmill and walks while he does podcasts and all sorts of things. For seven years in my office, when I was straddling building Spartan and also still on Wall Street, I had set up a spin bike at my desk and I would do somewhere between five and eight hours a day on my spin bike, nice and slow. I wasn't sweating, but I could always be pedaling at the hardest possible um, resistance so that my legs move slow and I could type. And um, one day my friends and I decided to bike across America and I was in shape because <laughs> I had been... I had been on my bike. 
I want to hear about you and, and cleaning up garbage off the beach together. But since we're talking about this, I'm going to say why I'm a bit resting for Wednesday. So first of all, yesterday was my lifting day. Today was my, my Turkish getup day. And of course, there's the usual calisthenics in the morning. So I've already done 20 minutes of calisthenics and three sets of, of Turkish getups. So let's see. You may know that 12 years ago, the morning after the opening Olympics for the 2008 Olympics, the opening ceremonies, a friend and I uh, took the ferry across to Port Imperial in New Jersey, put our shoes and shirts in the trash, jumped a fence, got in the Hudson River and swam across to Manhattan. That's the picture that's at the top of my, my podcast or of my uh, blog. And it's like this big thing. It was like, for me, it's like a crossing Rubicon where we just swam across the river and something like a kilometer across. And people often ask, how do you do something like that? Like, how do you do that? And it took me a while before I realized there's one answer to this question. It's here's how you swim across the river. You get in the water and swim across the river. There's no mystery to this at all. And it's, you just do it, right? And most cities have rivers, so it's available to anyone. So uh, last fall, I gave a talk. Someone came up to me afterward and we got to talking. We became really good friends. And we said, all right, you know, we're going to go swim across the river this summer. And so Wednesday, I checked the tides and because the, the Hudson is a tidal river. It goes both directions. And you want to go when it's not flowing too much. So Wednesday morning, we're going to swim across the Hudson River. And it's going to be my first time since 2008. Uh, I haven't really swum since then. So just because I am going to be like half a kilometer from land for a bit. So I, I want to rest up and be prepared for that. So that's like, it's possible that by the time this posts, I've died and drowned in the middle of the river, been swept out to sea or hit by some giant boat. But there's not that many boats this time of year, or sorry, during the COVID stuff. Uh, we're going up north around north of Port Imperial is about where the 60s or the 70s on Manhattan are, the streets. And there's not that as many boats go up there because most of the docks are then done at the 40s and below. So that's my big thing that I'm looking forward to on Wednesday. First of all, congratulations. I'm jealous. Second of all, I want to go down a rabbit hole on something very important that you said that you and I should dive further into both on this podcast and maybe an article afterwards. I've had countless instances over 20 years where people have said to me, these are very, very uh, accomplished people, Olympic wrestlers, Olympic wrestling coaches, CEOs, military. And they would say to me, how did you do that? your point, like how did you swim across the river? How did you, how did you bike to Vermont? How did you just get in the mud and drag that kayak out to sea? And I would scratch my head like you did. And I'd say, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Like, <laughs> I don't understand. But people, this is really important, right? For your podcast. And this is really important for you and I and our missions. People get stuck on what seemingly is so simple. Like, like if you said to me, Joe, how did you solve that amazing math equation that, that straddled five blackboards? I would say, okay, well, that question makes sense. <laughs> how did you solve that? But maybe the mathematician would say, what do you mean? I just did it, right? And so I think we could give people a little kick in the ass that, that says something along the lines of, this is not rocket science. You just put one foot in front of the other or one stroke in front of the other, and you do it. Now, Let's, let's hang a right turn here for a second. How do you feel about maybe having a couple of balloons tied to you guys while you, while you swim, just so that people, boats could see you? Well, I've thought about stuff like that. We're probably, not, I'm, sounds like a great idea. Uh, actually, it turns out that the guy who I was going to do it with, uh, okay, 
two years ago, this guy came from England and he's really into um, not pollution stuff. And he had a bike with pontoons and he, ride, he rides this bike around in the water in London, in the Thames, to generate attention for all the garbage in the Thames. He, he rides this bike on the Matsuds, picks up garbage and people are like, what's this? And he's like, it's about garbage, right? So he gets attention. Comes over here, there's a bike problem and he freaks out and we were going to go across with him on the bike on the pontoons, me swimming. And it didn't work out and I got really annoyed and he, he and I got really annoyed at each other because for various reasons, because we want to do it. And again, this time, actually the guy that I just talked about, for nine months, we've been planning it. Not whole planning it, but like just like last week, he goes, oh, by the way, I can't do it. I'm like, what the? It's like, oh, my wife, kids. I'm like, ah. But in the meantime, I called up a different friend and said, he's also a photographer, but he's also, he's a swim coach. And so I asked him if he was, if he was interested. He's like, am I interested? I've been dying to do that. Like, I think ever since he heard that I did the first time. And he is trained as a lifeguard. So now I got someone with me who's, the original guy is gone. So there's two people who've come and gone who said they were like, definitely, they, you can count on me. There, nothing will keep me from this, right? So they're not doing it. Uh, although he also had a death in the family, so that's untouchable. So now I'm, at least I'm going across with a, a, a trained lifeguard. Today is Monday and you're going Wednesday. Yeah. Text me. Uh, I'm not, don't text me. Email me afterwards or text me. and I will try to find you somebody to join along on a kayak or something. I, don't forget, I have a bunch of lunatics in my uh-huh. orbit. Yeah, a kayak along would be great. I, I might be able to get you a kayaker alongside you. And I will work on that. If I can't, promise me, just like I promised you I'd clean up on the beach, uh-huh. promise me you'll just throw a couple of helium balloons, two or three helium balloons. It won't affect your speed or anything. The reason I'm, I'm asking you to do it is because I've done a lot of kayaking at night. And um, surprisingly, now I know you're not going in the dark, but surprisingly, I almost got hit by a bunch of big boats that I did not hear or see. I hear you. Yes, I'll take some safety measures such as those. I was in a kayak. I wasn't even swimming where my water, my, you know, water was in my ears and stuff. And I'm just kind of shocked. I'm shocked that I did not see giant boats coming at me. Mm-hmm. So, so, and they were running without lights. So you're going to make the swim, you know it, the swim, all that stuff's easy. I'm just worried about some idiot texting and, ri- and driving his boat, you know? Yeah. All right. So after we record, I'll check with you about lunatics in the area to go kayaking next to us. And also about having some visible stuff for people to see. Yes. Okay. Let's talk you and the beach. By the way, so this will come up something like a month after we're talking now. So everyone listening to this, hopefully it's possible I've died, uh, but hopefully not. (laughs) So let's talk beach, beach cleanup. And then I want to talk about how you've inspired me because you remember we were talking about the rowing outdoor stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I inspired you, hopefully, for the stairs. You inspired me to clean up. I came out to Montauk. I, we have a, a multi-generational family house out here in Montauk. It's a bit of a pain in the ass to come out here because we have a farm in Vermont. But when you own a house, first of all, when you own anything in life, you don't own it. It owns you. Mm-hmm. So this house in Montauk owns us. And it forces us as a family to use it in the summer. And so we came out here. I'd, I'd kind of rather be on the farm, but we have some fun friends, really, really nice friends out here. And um, every morning, almost every morning, we're working out on the beach. Some days we're, uh, we're going on a road. Drag, every day we're dragging chains and carrying weights and kettlebells and sandbags. And I have a total of um, seven to 10 kids with me who I uh, sadly have not been able to inspire to pick up garbage, but I've been picking up garbage because I made that commitment to you. And something special happened the other day because of, of uh, your inspiration is I stumbled upon 
a wounded dolphin. Ooh, wow. Yeah. On the, like, was and it- some people had found it before me and they created a bath for the dolphin and they were pouring water on it. And I literally thought of you because I said I would not, this would not have happened. This moment would not have happened had I not been looking for some garbage. So thank you for that. And the other thing that's come out of your inspiration is it's made me really miserable uh, to see how much garbage we, it's kind of disgusting actually. And I think, I think that's why I like Vermont better is because I don't have to visually see what humans, what we are doing to the planet. It's just sad really. And a couple of uh, rabbit holes. I heard, I heard that an island off Australia, some scientists went to an uninhabited island and they did some digging in the sand and they did a calculation and there was almost 1 million pairs of flip-flops that had washed ashore. 1 million pairs of flip-flops. Wow. They did the calculation of how many, like they'd been buried in sand and they were digging up all the garbage and that just makes me want to vomit at how irresponsible we all are. And I had another one, but now, now I can't remember. Well, let me ask you this. And uh, while you're thinking that, you feel disgust when you see what humans are doing. And my question is, given that the garbage is there, I mean, we prefer for the garbage not to be there. And, you know, I'm certainly working to have the garbage to, to have less of it and to not create so much. But given that it's there, would you rather see it and feel the disgust or not see it and not feel the disgust? Hmm. I mean, I guess seeing it, hopefully it triggers the same response I'm getting in others that maybe they change their habits. So that's one thought I have immediately when you ask that question. And another thought is, why can't we get our act together? I remember in the 1970s being in a car with my mom. So I was pre, pre eight years old. And I remember like it was yesterday, the car in front of us, McDonald's wrappers and cup and straw out the window of their car. It was the way it was. It wasn't abnormal back then. That was like a normal way to get rid of your garbage. Just throw it in the street. Mm-hmm. And so I guess, I guess on the other hand, if I didn't see garbage, I would hope that we've changed our ways. I mean, look, I lived in Singapore for a year and I lived in Tokyo for a year. Uh, in Tokyo, for example, you can't find a garbage pail anywhere. And so what happens is people change their habits mm-hmm. and they, they just take everything, they own it. If they have a, a, something they sneezed in or a napkin or whatever, it's in their pocket. They have to deal with it mm-hmm. as opposed to just being so free with it that it, over, it overwhelms garbage pails and blows into streets. And it's so clean in those two countries. China, the opposite. By the way, I, I've heard New York City, you're there, so you could give us some feedback. My friend just said New York City's starting to feel like it's going backwards. Like he's starting oh. to see garbage. Like it's just not just starting. It's I'm in Greenwich Village. Every single garbage can around me by noon is overflowing because wow. all the restaurants are serving outdoors. So the, and people are eating two or three meals a day, as far as I can tell, outdoors with it's all disposable stuff. So and no one's drinking from water fountains. And they can't, they somehow can't go for an hour without water. So it's like, this kills me to see like an eight ounce water bottle. Like why does an eight ounce water bottle exist? It's not, it's not addressing thirst. So the trash cans are overflowing. So the gutters are all filling up now too. And by evening, I mean, forget the masks. It's like 20% compliance here on masks, but the garbage 
is just, I've never seen this much garbage in the street as now. And there's not as many people around. So the garbage per person is much higher. Did you live in New York in the 70s by chance? I came here in the 80s. In the 80s. So, so in the 70s, I remember, again, going to like 42nd Street and stuff, like as part of a trip from Queens. And it was disgusting. Mm-hmm. I mean, my city was disgusting and nearly bankrupt. And um, it would suck if it went backwards, you know? Especially because now it's more, much more plastic than it would have been more metal and paper, which at least has some degree of recycling, like some degree of more recyclability, but also more biodegradable, but it's not toxic. It's not going to be around for 500 years choking things. I mean, the metal will be around forever, but not toxically. How do we get rid of plastic forever? How do we do it? Remember what you asked me or what we talked about, about just doing things? Yeah. Have I shown you my garbage can, my garbage bag over there? So people at home won't be able to see this, but that last month, right? That canvas bag on my, on that chair over there, that's my garbage so far since December, all of it. Amazing. So people say, How, what do you do? I'm like, you go to the store and you don't, you buy the fruits and vegetables, you buy the stuff without packaging. That's it. Now, in my experience, what will happen, what happened with me was that suddenly my diet became like steamed broccoli, steamed asparagus, fruit, and I get the bulk food stuff so I could buy uh, the wheats and grains and nuts from bulk and put into my own packages. So for a while, I was just having like salt and pepper on steamed vegetables for like three, four, five months. But gradually I'd find, oh, this vegetable goes with that vegetable. And oh, I learned how to make beans on the stove and then eventually in the pressure cooker. And that changed everything. And then I make these famous no packaging vegetable stews. But it's, here's what you do. You don't buy things in plastic. End of story. Oh, step two, don't die. And that's not that hard. I want to connect you. You just gave me an idea. I got a friend living out in the Mojave Desert who, who started the company um, Organic Organic juice, organic, organic Avenue. Uh-huh. He lives out in the Mojave and all he eats is sprouts. And, and the reason he only eats sprouts is because uh, they only cost like 11 cents a day and he grows them himself. And um, I'm going to connect you with him because um, between the way you handle garbage and the way he handles food, we could change the world. Yeah. And I have to say, there's, I don't know if they're still around, but there at least have been a couple organic avenues around me. And I see a fair amount of organic avenue plastic cups or paper cups in the street after let's they're talk, being used. Let's talk about that. But I think he's changed his ways, and now he's only eating sprouts. He he admits that you know twenty years ago he would like eat like a chicken right off a rotisserie on the street, and he just didn't have a clue. And he met a girl who was a vegan, and it just changed everything in his life. So um, we got to get you in. He's a sprout guy. You're the garbage guy. He's a sprout guy. Cool. Yeah. I go through a lot. Well, I've, I've thought about sprouting stuff, although I just keep pressure cooking it. And yeah, I always, I mean, from when maybe college up until a few years ago, there was always ice cream in my freezer. There were always pretzels and chips in my cupboard. And now there's, I don't know if there's enough money in the world for me to eat that stuff anymore. And I didn't decide, like, I don't want to, like, I didn't say I'm going to not like this anymore. It just gradually became more and more disgusting and more and more like, like those Snyder's of Hanover pretzel bits, I still love them. I couldn't stop eating them. And now I keep thinking, like, maybe I'll try a couple just to remind myself what the taste was. And then I think of it going into me and I'm like, not worth it. I'd rather, I don't mind going to the grave without remembering what that taste was. Meanwhile, I eat like these nectarines I had. Fruit in season is just unbelievable. I can't, I can't put into words how much more I love that stuff than I ever thought I could. I'm going to call Doug right now. Let's hang on a second. Let's get Doug on the phone. I'm going to tell him 
I love, uh, I love just waking people up. And so yeah, listeners, like as you speak, it's happening. Yeah. I just love making it happen. Let's see. My man, Doug Sprouts. I, sometimes I call him three in the morning. I just <laughs> wake him up. Hey buddy. Hey, listen, you're on a podcast right now and we're talking um, garbage, Snyder pretzels and sprouts. All right. Well, let, the most important thing is sprouts. That's right. Sprouts don't generate garbage. Sprouts generate the most nutritious food on the planet at the lowest cost um, per ounce per gram with the most nutrients. And anyone can grow them for pennies a serving. So let's just get into sprouts. We just need sprouts. Sprouts forever. So I'm going to connect you two guys. And um, my buddy, by the way, is swimming across the Hudson River here. The host of the podcast, he's swimming across on Wednesday, right? Yeah. So about 40 hours from now, we should, we should be just finishing. Yeah, he's going to swim across. Hopefully he doesn't die. Uh, knock on wood that he doesn't die. And he'll, um, he'll incorporate sprouts into his whole mission. He's got one little bag of garbage since December in his apartment. He literally creates no garbage. Yeah, leave no... Leave no Not zero. No impact, no impact. I love it. And Doug's living out in the Mojave. You, you can't be accumulating a lot of garbage out in the Mojave Desert. No, I'm like one of the few people that go to, goes to Burning Man that actually leaves everything behind because I bring in sprouts and then I fill up a porta potty. So, yeah. Because otherwise, you know what happens to trash. It goes into the ground and it lasts for like 100,000 years. So yeah. we got to get away from plastic. We got to get away from single-use packaging, and we should be buying sprouts in bulk. Yep. All right. In bulk. All right. How are you feeling? You full of energy today from your sprouts? Oh yeah, I am by far. I'm like a. This is my container of uh, lentils. So th- I bought I bought a fifty-pound bag of lentils the last last time. Doug, we're looking at a fifty-pound bag of lentils. That is the bomb. So what? What, Doug? What's your favorite thing to sprout? Broccoli seeds. I think broccoli seeds because of the whole like cruciferous vegetable uh, sulforaphane are something that I have used as like my, I grow my own multivitamins through broccoli seeds. And one cup of broccoli sprouts has 60% of the recommended daily allowance of vitamin C and they have chlorophyll and they have fiber and they have that miracle glucoraphanin uh, which forms the sulforaphane. So I think you have to be consuming at least four ounces of sprouts every day. When he does sprouts, is it just is it just getting the stuff wet and or is it the thing where you put that layer of, of stuff in the trays? No, just water. Just water, right, Doug? Yeah, yeah. We're at we're at a level that I'm trying to do this for the masses and all you need to sprouts is some sort of vessel to hold water and seeds and then a method of straining them and then you have it and as opposed to waiting weeks, months, years for your food, you can have edible sprouts in days. So, so Doug, Doug, what he does is he puts a little water in and then he strains it out what, about uh, one day later? You, you, you put the water in, you soak them, you strain them, you know, eight hours, 12 hours later, and then you rinse them and strain them twice a day. And then you could start eating like a lentils two or three days Rocky sprouts three to five days, and you're you're golden. Awesome. 
All right, Doug, I'm going to connect you guys. You're going to be, um, you're, you guys together are going to literally eliminate all the garbage in the world and everybody's going to, I mean, restaurants are going to close anywhere unless they're selling sprouts. It's just going to be, you could have, you could eat anything you want as long as it's sprouts. Yeah, look, I think the thing is, I'm okay with eating mature vegetables and, I'm, and I love fruit. The point is, you don't want to be eating processed garbage, which totally corrupts your microbiome it gives you food cravings to eat things that will literally destroy you. Destroy you, destroy the planet. Yeah. All right. Love you, buddy. I'll see you. Good to meet you. You guys connect with it. Well, I'm going to connect you guys. I'm going to connect you guys. This is Doug Sprout. Doug, what's your last name? I only have you as Doug Sprouts. Doug Evans. Doug Evans. And Doug Evans wrote a book. And um, yeah, I'll connect you guys. Doug, looking forward to talking to you offline. Okay, terrific, my friend. I look forward to it. Hey, listen, you're going to do great. Swimming across the Hudson River for most people is deadly and dangerous. For you, it's a f***ing cup of tea. Yeah. He's done it before, but this time he's going to swim underwater the whole way holding his... <laughs> Not that. <laughs> I'll, see you. I'll see you later. Bye-bye. See you, bro. Bye-bye. If you like the show, I recommend acting, as my guests do. It works best with someone supportive. Your spouse, parents, kids, neighbors, or friends. Learn the four-step process I do with my guests and describe in my TEDx talks and do it together. You'll find yourself acting on something you care about, something meaningful. Whether you start big or small, doesn't matter. If you care, if it's meaningful, you'll keep doing it. You'll reach big. Eventually, stewardship will feel normal. You'll wish you had started earlier. Second, I recommend donating to help this podcast at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. I promote degrowth and stewardship, which no advertiser will touch, but brings joy, community, connection, and abundance to you when you act and global change in the long run. Help us keep going. That's joshuaspodek.com slash donate. So years from now, when Doug and my partnership leads to something, everyone will know this is where it started. I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm, I'm always connecting everybody, you know, and, and um, just making shit happen. And it's good. Selfishly, it's good for me too, because I know, I know that I'm supposed to just be eating more sprouts and I know I'm supposed to be getting rid of less garbage. So I just, I like to put myself in these uh, little tornadoes of goodness. So here's a little challenge for you. Last time you might remember, you showed me the green juice that you're drinking and you said, see, I got a paper straw. I'm with you. How do you feel about that now? About the paper straw? Well, I'm also thinking the whole thing because I I bit my tongue and it's like, not going to say anything. I'll tell you why. And I think this is the case with everybody. I feel really good when I see paper straws and when I see like, you know, we have a general store in Vermont and it costs us more to put things in these biodegradable containers. It's much cheaper to buy plastic containers. And I have to tell you, the food tastes better when subconsciously I see the food in this wonderful container that's going to that's gonna be good for the earth. The food tastes worse when it's in a plastic container. So Believe me, I have a long way to go in, in the businesses I'm involved in and in my own personal use, but there's no reason why I shouldn't do it because selfishly, I just, the food tastes better and I feel better when, when I see it. Like, you know, you're just waking me up to stuff I already believe in, but I, but I kind of dropped the ball on. That's what, I'm glad you said that because a lot of people do or don't act, or a lot of people don't act because they, they think to themselves, look, what I do it's not that big of a deal. And when I divide that by 7.7 billion, it's really nothing. Well, there's a couple things to, to that. One is if you enjoy it anyway. And don't forget, we, we make a big impact with Spartan. 
when the world turns back on after COVID, we have some work to do at all. You know, we put on 325 events, millions of people a year. And so we could really, we could really make a big impact. This is what I'm talking about. It's not whether the first thing you do is big or small. It's whether you care about it. Because if you care about it, if it's meaningful, you'll do it again and again, and it'll get bigger each time. And you'll share it with people. And every now and then you'll hit someone like Joe, who has founded and runs this really big thing, and it makes some really outsized impact. And if you like it, why not do it anyway? So I'm not going to argue that if enough people do little things, that the little things will add up. But to me, what really matters is if it's meaningful, because meaningful will get big and meaningful spreads. Could we um, give me an idea? We should get you and Doug, uh, after you meet Doug, we should get you and Doug to give a little 15-minute presentation like, like you and I do in the podcast to our entire team at the, at the company. And because, you know, it takes a village, right? Like if I could get five out of 500 of our team to buy in or 10 or 20 or 50 or a hundred people to buy into this, it'll just happen much quicker. Yeah. Or even just one who really loves it. And then, yeah. then it'll be inevitable. Let's plan on setting that up with Susan where the whole team, we do it at night or in the morning so I can get the whole global team on a Zoom call, and the presentation is simply how Spartan changes the world regarding food and regarding garbage. I'm in. Let's do it tomorrow. Or we'll, we'll do it through Susan World Planet. Yes, that would be, that would be um, really great because one of the big fights I'm having is, you know, a lot of the venues that I rent to host events, they don't want to give up their food revenue. So I can't get the venue if they don't own the food. And invariably what that means is hot dogs, hamburgers, plastic, soda, and I want to vomit, right? Because that's so off-brand for me. So I got to- You're in Vermont. I know who to put you in touch with. She's been a guest on this podcast and she does like Lollapalooza size events and she works with them. It's not like she just comes in and says, here's your stuff. She works with you. She figures out what, what your needs are and it's all up and down the, I mean, she does great work. So I'll put you in touch with her. No, that would, that would be great. But, but don't forget, it's, I'm at the mercy, in some cases, I'm at the mercy of the venue. If I need that particular venue in that county and they just won't give up the food, I have to make a choice. Do I not have that event? Because I'll take the lesser of two evils, right? One evil is everybody stuck on their couch and lazy and eating uh, popcorn and watching uh, Netflix. The other one is, okay, at least I get them to the event and they're training even if they've got to sell uh, hot dogs and hamburgers at the, at the event. So, but you know, we're taking steps forward. Yeah. She's done so many things that I suspect that whatever problems you hit, she's hit a million times before and has figured a way around, but I can't say for sure, but I'll put, I'll put you guys in touch. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it does, it might be very, it might be a lot easier than you, you suspect. Hey, you want the good news? Yes. The good news is give me one second. I've climbed 2,500 feet on this rope during our call so far. Oh, man. 2,500 feet. Think about that. In sta- like in stairs, that would, be, that would be a hell of a lot of stairs. Yeah, that's great. So I'm going to tell you, speaking of stairs, I'm going to tell you about my rowing machine. So I guess the next time, the next cardio day after that, I ran, which I'm running uh, barefoot outdoors. But nice. the next one after that, so I just took the rowing machine apart into two pieces. And I just walked over to the staircase and just walked up 11 flights of stairs, came back down, got the other half, took that up another 11 flights of stairs, 
And, you know, there's a mental shift that happened that I'm really glad. I just, I was thinking about you and feeling gratitude the whole time because I just, it's a shift. Like I wasn't thinking, oh, what is this? Like, this is a pain. I'm just thinking this is part of my deal. Like I was going to row and I'm going to go up the stairs too. So I, I went up 11 flights, then down 11 flights, then up 11 flights with the other half. And then since I'd done all the stairs, I thought normally I was going to row for 20 minutes. So I thought I'll take it easy. So I decided to go for 30 minutes. Somehow in my head, 30 minutes was easier than 20 minutes. Then after that, I had to go, I brought half of it down, went back up another tw- 11 flights, then brought the other half down. Then a couple of days later, it was my Turkish get-up day. And I thought, all right, I, the kettlebell, I'm going to bring up this. I thought, wait, can I do, the rooftop is a really rough surface, the ground. And I, I was like, am I going to tear up my, my elbows on this or not? And I thought, how can I tell? Well, got to bring the kettlebell up anyway. So I took the kettlebell up looked at the ground. I was like, this is really going to up my, my elbows. So took the kettlebell back down, did them on my floor here, but did the gratuitous up and down anyway. I love it. What are you doing um, Friday and Saturday, this Friday and Saturday? I don't think I have any specific plans. Do you have a way to get to Vermont? I got this bike over there. That's a touring bike. Check if there's a train. I don't know. I, I assume the Amtrak is running. Check if the trains are coming. If you want it to come up, we're going to be doing 24 hours in my backyard on the farm, children and adults. And for 24 hours, we're just going to be going up and down the mountain. You can rest as much as you want. And I think you'd love it, especially since now you're carrying kettlebells and rowing machines. What's your, what stop is it? You would get off in Rutland, Vermont. All right. So I'll get it. I'll check on that. Yeah. And ideally you would arrive Friday. Oh, arrive Friday. All right. So lots to follow up with, with you. This is amazing. Yeah. Now there's been dead air because my mind is reeling at all the different things to do. Well, now you have a reason to live. Like if you're <laughs> taking in water in the Hudson, you'll say, I have to make it to Joe's on Friday. Oh, I see. I was like, I got a lot of reasons to live. Yeah, well, I'll make it up to Vermont. I'm also a bit nervous about taking a train with COVID because I have to visit my mom later and she's in her 70s and has asthma and she's really... There might be, might be buses... Yeah, there might be buses, I don't know, that go up to Vermont. I'm trying to think. I don't have anybody from New York coming up. Well, you email me, and I'll see if I have anybody coming up from New York. Okay, yeah, I got to email you about the, the kayaking also. Yeah. Well, man, now I'm stuck with all the stuff, and I'm thinking, should we wrap up the, the conversation now? Because it's hard for me to hold a conversation. It's, it's hard for me to talk to you while I'm thinking about all this follow-up stuff. Call it a day. I got my garbage to pick up. You got your stairs to climb, and you got to get ready for your swim. Yeah. And no, I, I love having, uh, you know, to be part of this. This is great. This is doing it. The thing that I figured out about, you know, just, you just got to get in the water and swim. That was in a podcast with a friend of mine, Jared in Gaza, and it was on his podcast. And I was just like, it's really that easy. That, there's a reason why that picture is my picture for the podcast, because that was a major shift. It, it signifies before that, look, I got a PhD, I got an MBA, a lot of planning, a lot of like doing something for the hopes of something in the future. And I'm not going to knock that, but now it's just a lot more of just doing it. I want you to give that lesson to all the kids on Friday if you make it up. Because, um, you know, it's one thing when I'm talking to my kids and other kids, it's another thing when somebody new talks to them. And that's the exact idea. You know, every day when I get in that cold shower, there's that moment before I get in. And then you just step in Mm -hmm. and it's done. You're in. Yeah. You just got to cross that line to do great things. You just got to cross over the line. Yeah. You know, when I first started doing the first, my first cold shower, I was inspired by um, Joel Runyon's blog, but then, you know, I had 30 days straight to do it. And eventually, I don't know about you, but like the, 
actually doing stuff. You develop tricks to make it easier, to make it work easier. And with the cold showers, I was doing five minutes minimum. This is like December into January. I forget what year. And to make sure I did the five minutes, I would set my timer on my phone to go off after five minutes. And then I realized I set it for five minutes and, and 10 seconds. And so I had 10 seconds to get in and have the water on. And it was just a nice little trick that it, you know, it did the trick. And when you do it, the first couple of times you do it, it's hard. The first couple of times you do something, you're figuring it out. And then you figure it out. Like right now, carrying the uh, rowing machine up the stairs, it bangs the wall a lot. Like it's a really bulky thing. And I don't want to break the rowing machine. So I got to figure this out. Like, how am I going to carry it up the stairs without keeping hitting the wall so much? I also don't want to mess up my building. So it's a challenge. You know, I don't know. I got to figure it out. Doing it will solve it. You got to be very thoughtful and you got to carry it. And it's going to be a little more painful, but that's good. Yeah. Yeah. How to hold it. It's like, it's like really, it's not easy. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, you're carrying rocks up hills. Rocks aren't made ergonomic either. No, no, no. Rocks are not that. I've always enjoyed bulky, unorthodox um, things to train with. Rusty chains. I carry a chain and drag it. Matter of fact, I dragged it this morning a couple of miles. Yeah, I I love just doing crazy, unorthodox things. This is really fun. I'm looking forward to, I I feel like uh, the closing line of of Casablanca. Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I agree. I agree. And we're going to throw Doug in and it'll be a, It'll be a three-way friendship, and then we'll get, uh, I'll pull in some other crazies that have unique uh, angles on the world we live in. I'm going to close right there, unless you have anything to wrap up with, anything I didn't think to ask. No, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I, hopefully, we could make, um, be safe, use the balloons if I can't get a kayaker, and then hopefully I see you Friday. All right. Joe DeSena, thank you very much. Thank you, Sarah. I'll see you. I'm recording these words just after my conversation with Joe. Since this recording, for you to hear it, has to go through my editor and so forth. If I made the swim and I visited Vermont, I probably would have posted about it to my blog a while ago. I've already checked. Amtrak does not serve Rutledge, Vermont, I think because of the pandemic for now. But the friend I'm swimming across the Hudson with lives in New Jersey, so he has a car. He's a fitness guy, so he loves the idea of carrying rocks up and down a mountain for 24 hours. He's also a fitness trainer, among other things, so he loves helping kids. The big picture, I love seeing how a couple conversations and actually doing things, not complaining about others have to act or government or corporation should, that they lead to results. And this is a joy. This is why when people say what one person does, it doesn't matter. They're missing the point. It's not how big or small the first thing, that's not what matters. It's do you care about it? Is it meaningful? Because if it's meaningful, then small will inevitably lead to big. And if it's meaningful and you care about it, you'll share it with others. Look, I'm not going to argue that little things don't add up if enough people do them, but what matters is big things that get shared. And that's what this is about. I think you saw it happening here, and I don't think this is the end of it. And probably by the time you're hearing this, bigger things have happened. But I'm recording it now. I can't wait to see what happens. How many people are bringing a message of joy from what everyone calls saving the environment, but I call the future? Step by step, this podcast is creating a culture of joy, community, and connection around sharing and acting on our environmental values. Again, there's no profit in buying and wasting less, but we'll all love our lives and relationships more when we do. I can use your support. Please donate at joshuaspodick.com slash donate. Again, that's joshuaspodick.com slash donate.